Welcome to Israel War Briefing, a podcast from the Jewish Chronicle offering deep insight into the crisis in the Jewish state as it continues to unfold. I'm Jake Wallace-Simons, editor of the Jewish Chronicle and author of Israelophobia, the newest version of the oldest hatred and what to do about it. In each episode, I'll be asking an expert commentator for their analysis of the latest developments and reflections on what comes next. Today is uh, the 28th of November, the 52nd day of the war, and I'm joined by Gideon Falter, the CEO of the Campaign Against Antisemitism, who is rather the man of the moment at the moment, because uh, on Sunday we had this extraordinary, massive march uh, through London against antisemitism that was attended by many, many people and was in a way a response to the million march that the Palestinian side put on. Um, Gideon, um, how many people were there? Well, we, uh, we the figure that we've been given is 105,000. But I've seen some discrepancies. I think the Times put it slightly lower and people have been, there hasn't been a, the, the, the Mail gave it 105,000, the Times departed from that. What, what's the story there? What did the Times say? I think the Times put it at 50,000, as far as I can recall. Oh, I think they're probably going off the press release that went out right at the beginning. Right. Um, so right. at the beginning of the march, when you know people were still gathering before the march had even set off, um, we put out a figure of 50,000. What we weren't aware of at that time is that the side roads along the march and also a whole series of roads behind the march had started to become backed up with thousands of people who right. were being held back to avoid a, a crush. And um, as soon as our stewarding teams released them, um, we ended up with an enormous flow of people. I mean, you know, we, we'd been going, we'd been marching half an hour before people started to move um, at the back of the crowd. It was it was an enormous train of people. And uh, it, it, we, judging by the amount of space that people took up and crowd density calculations and all of that, it was 105,000, which is pretty fantastic and makes it the biggest gathering in this country against anti-Semitism really in a lifetime since the Battle of Cable Street. And can you just tell me a little bit about what the experience was like for you on Sunday? Well, you know, from, from beginning to end. Um, so, so this march is something that we've been wanting to do for a few weeks. And we have this phenomenal team of volunteers who had given their time alongside our staff. They just decided to do nothing else for over a week. They hadn't gone into the office. They hadn't spoken to their families. They'd given themselves over entirely to getting this thing together. And we weren't sure how many people were going to turn up. And when we got to the, the actual start location, the Royal Courts of Justice, which for me actually was quite poignant because it happened to work out that way. And CAA's first major rally was outside the Royal Courts of Justice in 2014. So it was a spot which for me held a little bit of, you know, held, it held some significant personal resonance. And when I got there, I was shocked to see that what we were now doing, the March Against Anti-Semitism um, with so many other partners was this enormous gathering of people. Normally when one has a rally, you know, you have a look at the crowd, you know roughly how large the area is, you make a quick calculation and you come up with the number of people. In this case, I could not do that because I couldn't see at any point from when I arrived to when I left, I could not see the end of the crowd. Even when I was up on stage at the end of the, at the rally at the end of the march, 
I couldn't see to the end of the crowd. And the way that we were calculating crowd numbers was from you know information being given to us by stewarding teams, by radio, by the police helicopter. And it was a moment for me that felt like not only British Jewry had woken up and decided to really you know, steam in together to do something, but also that so many people, not Jewish, uh, not Jewish, people who, who are not Jewish from all over the UK had got up at the crack of dawn. They'd taken the train, the bus, you know, the, some people had come in on enormous commutes. They'd had to get up really at crazy o'clock just to stand with the Jewish community. And I just felt this incredible sense that all of a sudden, instead of when we talk about community, we usually mean the Jewish community. All of a sudden, I felt that we were part of a community of Jews and so many decent people in this country who just want to stand with us and do the right thing. Do you have a sense, I mean, obviously nobody will know this for sure, but do you have a sense that how many uh, people from the non-Jewish community joined? I mean, I, you know, if, if you're talking about 105,000 people and the Jewish population is what, 250, 300,000 people, I'm not sure how many of those are adults, but it sounds like you know every single adult and able-bodied Jewish person would not amount to that total. So, um, how many at a you know do you would you guess as a percentage would be would have been non-Jewish? Well, if you consider that the total Jewish population of London is something in the region of 150,000, and obviously there are coaches coming in from all over the country, you know the communities in Manchester and Leeds, Nottingham, Bristol, Cardiff, Birmingham, all over the place, people coming in by coaches. But even when you factor all of that in, and even if you assume that, say, half of the entire Jewish population of London turned up, you know, that, that is an enormous number of people who aren't Jewish who were there. And we know that the Council of Christians and Jews mobilised, Christian Action Against Antisemitism mobilised, the Hindu Forum of Britain, uh, the October Declaration, which has some 80-odd thousand signatories. You know, they emailed all of their people. Um, we know that the Persian community, the Kurdish community, you know, these are all communities that you know really pushed to their members. Um, it, it wasn't like um, you know, sort of they just sort of added it to their weekly email. They really pushed it. They really wanted their people to be there in force. And that's why I think amongst the crowd you had. Indian flags, Iranian flags, Kurdish flags. You had so many different, you know, even the October Declaration uh, group actually made their own flags for the October Declaration. So just by looking around from the stage, you could just see this is not a Jewish community event. This is an event of people who stand against racism. And I was there, obviously. Um, I was not far from where Tommy Robinson pitched up and was carted off. Um, that must have been a great worry for you that the far right would turn up because it would have been such a PR disaster. People were trying, our enemies were trying to ramp up the possibility of them coming to discredit the march. Uh, tell me about that. I mean, yeah, there were lots of rumours flying which were you know, caused by Tommy Robinson himself saying that he was going to come. Um, and that was really unhelpful. Um, you know, no one wants to go for a march with Tommy Robinson. We made very clear to the police early on that it was a concern of ours and also that if he did intend to, to march, um, we would do what we normally do when people turn up who are uninvited. You know, um, one of the heads of the National Front turned up at a demonstration we did outside Scotland Yard a few weeks ago 
And as soon as he was identified, uh, we jumped up on stage and started shouting racist scum off our streets until he left and the, you know, the, the police asked him to leave. And the plan was that if Tommy Robinson turned up, we would make sure that um, his unwelcomeness was was made very clearly apparent. But we also were hoping that the police would um, deal with the situation themselves, which uh, which they did. What do you think it says about the far right that they're trying to latch on to to your demonstrations? I think they have this idea that Jews are intrinsically opposed to Muslims and they're opposed to Muslims on the far right. And so they think, oh, well, if we can sort of fool the Jews into thinking that we we like them a bit, um, then maybe we can you know, sort of co-opt them and you know, we, can, we, we can get them as allies in our in our fight against Muslims in Britain. The fact is that you don't fight prejudice with prejudice. You can't fight racism with racism. So, and, and, and the Jewish community sees that. So the far right, you know, has never been uh, gifted with particular uh, sort of intellectual wizardry. Um, and I think they, they just don't realise how naked their argument is, naked their attempt is to try to fool us into, into you know, and, and, and you can see in some of the things that have been said, you know, you've got, um, you've got, people of the far right saying that the Jewish community is being led by the wrong people and that actually, you know, they know who our friends are and we don't and all sorts of, you know, weird patronising and stupid argument, um, which thankfully doesn't really hold much sway. It's quite strange, isn't it? Because it seems to me that the far right in Britain has never really, in recent times anyway, been very a very significant force by comparison to Germany, other European countries and indeed the United States. Um, and so it feels like they're they're looking for somebody to piggyback on. And it's weird that you've got Tommy Robinson uh, latching on, as I said, to the CAA march or trying to. And also uh, Nick Griffin associating himself with some extreme elements of the Muslim community to ally against the Zionists, as he calls them. It feels to me as though they're sort of flailing around to find a way to become relevant. Yeah, I think it tells you an awful lot as well that they are so desperate to find some kind of alliance. Because if they were, if they had any real strength, they wouldn't be trying to latch on to Jews or latch on to, you know, extreme Islamists or latch on to whoever it is that they're trying to latch on to. They would just stand on their own two feet. And of course, as you say, you know, across Europe, it's very worrying. There is a lot of that going on. I think Britain is a very different place. I think it's, you know, there, there is a reason why this country is world famous for things like tolerance, decency, fairness. We, we are a country which is, in many ways, diametric. It, 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 we're a country which is which is in our, in our essence completely opposed to extremism, and whether that's the extremist uh, views of Jeremy Corbyn or whether it's the extremist views of a Tommy Robinson type character, this country is just not interested, and that's why I think they have so little success here. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that really struck me being at the march on on Sunday was. It was an expression of, of 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 mild manners, in so many ways. I mean, I think there wasn't a single person there uh, of the hundred and five attendees who would have had anything bad to say about Muslims at all, or Palestinians. Um, there were many, many songs for peace in Hebrew and in English, um, but actually, overall, I felt a, a general sense of slight English awkwardness. People weren't used to going on marches, didn't know we didn't really have any chants prepared. There's some very creative and, and some quite ironic banners and flags and posters. 
but people, you know, were sort of a bit awkward. You know, if I if I shout, bring them home, are people going to join me or am I going to be embarrassed by being the only person shouting? It was that sort of feeling, wasn't it? It was sort of flasks of tea and bobble hats, not uh, not flares and face masks. Well, I think also that was one of the nice things about the march. It didn't just remind the Jewish community that we're not alone. I think it also reminded a lot of people what Britain is all about. And I think that Britain itself needed to do that to some extent, because if you can, if, if you look at what's been happening every Saturday for seven weeks, you could get the impression that the country has changed, that it's forgotten uh, what it is to be, uh, sort of, you know, as you say, sort of tolerant, decent, mild mannered. And instead, it's just become this place where extremism, Islamism, far leftism runs amok and you get people dressed up as Hamas suicide bombers or people uh, walking down the streets with, you know, with, with, with signs that wouldn't have been out of place in 1930s Germany of the far left. And you look at um, that for seven weeks, you might think that, you know, where's the real Britain gone? You know, this country has lost its soul. What we were able to show everybody on Sunday was actually a massive contrast between the Saturday protests and the Sunday uh, demo, the, the Sunday march. On Sunday, we saw people who were completely respectful. They only had two words to say to the police, which was thank you. The police were astonished that no one was masked, for example. Um, they were astonished that people kept the route. Um, they were astonished that people just stopped when they were asked to stop to regulate uh, crowd numbers, that our stewarding team was listened to and thanked, um, that you know the CST teams were you know able to, to, to do what they do so effectively, and that there was, instead of the normal policing operation, which is on a Saturday, the police stand on the march and they look into the march for criminality. On this uh, march on Sunday march that we did uh, the, the national march against anti-semitism you had police standing on the march looking outward for criminality and I didn't see a single placard or sign or chant or anything like that which was anything other than peaceful and there were two arrests weren't there there was Tommy Robinson and then as I understand it a pro-Palestinian counter-protester yeah yeah that's right um and that I think tells you, you know, tells you everything you need to know. If you if you want to know what a peace march looks like, well, I think we did a pretty good job of showing it. Now let's talk about the um, the logistical operation because this was obviously a massive undertaking. The roads were closed off throughout central London. There were thousands. I mean, you'll know the statistics more than I will, but there were thousands of police as well as many many volunteers. Um, it was quite sort of um, striking and bewildering. At, at just the extent of the logistical operation. Can you tell me a bit about, about how it all came together and what the main planks were and what the, the stats and data and considerations were as well? Well, we've got some experience stewarding events. We've done large demonstrations for, for years, but nothing of this size. And when, when we first started work on this, there was a lot of negotiation going on with the police um, and, and discussion with CST about security and uh, Westminster Council and the Greater London Authority to try to figure out where we could march that was both secure, but also a good enough march, I suppose, that people felt that they'd actually done a march. You know, if, if, you, if you leave it down to security considerations, you just have a static protest in a very secure location, which, you know, you can, you can see a lot. Um, but a march is a much more complicated thing. So we ended up 
not knowing where our start point was going to be for really the first week or so, week and a half of, of, of that was work. determined yeah. by the police was it that that was something where we were still in discussion with everybody we didn't want to announce a start point that later changed because obviously that confuses people and once you announce something with a demonstration we've learned by hard experience that you can't unannounce it um so we we didn't want to announce anything so what we did is we had people sign up on eventbrite to the march um so that we could email them as soon as we knew um where the march start location was and we started seeing tens of thousands of people signing up and in fact by the end of it we we um you know we we we'd got by the by, by the time we actually did know the start location and closed down the event right we knew that we were going to have probably in the region of 50,000 people hence this number that the, the, the times got um and we were looking at that and thinking, okay, fine, this is not our normal stewarding operation. Um, the stewarding operation required a vast number of volunteers. So we had to reach quite deep into our volunteering pool. We've got about 1,900 people who are signed up to volunteer with CAA. So we sort of reached within that pool and got a lot of support from, from those people. But yeah, the, the, the logistical operation was immense. How do you get everybody to converge on one spot and then form into a column and then march in that column without the people who are arriving blocking the way of the people who are marching um, how do you do it so that you don't get crushes along the route which is a very easy thing to happen when you've got that sort of volume of people how do you prepare for more people so thankfully we did prepare for about double the numbers that we had just in case um, and that included things like sound systems and stewards with megaphones and all this sort of stuff. Um, but the, yeah, the logistical operation was immense and it was all planned by volunteers working closely with police and CST. And really, they did a really fantastic job. And the security considerations must have been quite significant as well. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I, if only because people needed, I think, to be reassured enough that it was going to be safe in order to attend in the first place, many people. Yeah, I, I, I think, first of all, it's it's a sort of very sad thing, isn't it, that when you want to organise a march against anti-Semitism, one of the first things that you've got to think about is, OK, who is going to try to commit a terrorist attack, let's say, at this march? And once you actually go down that rabbit hole of discussing the security considerations, you know, it's jaw-dropping. It is absolutely jaw-dropping the number of things that people might do. And it, this is these, you know, these are not all hypotheticals. These are things that have happened in other parts of the world, thankfully not here, which you need to prepare for if you want to organize something in a responsible manner. And we were determined that if we were going to march against anti-Semitism, everybody needed to not just be safe, but also feel safe. And that led to the deployment of over a thousand police officers. It was one of the largest deployments ever in the history of CST. Um, for us, it was certainly the largest deployment of stewards that we've ever had. Um, and you know, it was quite an operation just to make all that work. Now, one of the uh, only notes of disappointment that I heard from people was with regard to the politicians who took to the stage, not that Tom Tugendhat and uh and robert jenrick and peter carl are in any way um you know second rate they were brilliant they spoke beautifully and wonderfully and inspiring and it was great that they turned up 
But I think people had hoped that Prime Minister might come, that Keir Starmer might come, that other front benches might make an appearance as well. Um, what can you tell us about that? I think, first of all, we, we really wanted this to be a non-political cross-party show of support for the fight against anti-Semitism and for the Jewish community. And we did have you know, three government ministers uh, speaking to us. We had um, a, a member of the shadow cabinet speaking to us. We didn't want to have you know, acres of speeches. So we, we sort of contained the political parts to, um, to, to, to that. Um, I think it, you know, we, we did invite all MPs. We did invite the leaders of all political parties. They obviously have lots of different commitments to juggle, and I suppose part of that um, juggling process will also involve consider security considerations. Um, and you know, really, it was it was left to each of them whether they do, wanted. Do you think to they should have come? Look, I think anti-Semitism, according to the Met, just in London, has surged by over a thousand percent in the last few weeks. I know, and I think we all know, how the Jewish community has been feeling. The statistics that we released on the day of the march show that. You know, we 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 see sixty nine percent of British Jews feeling that they may have to hide their Jewish identity in public. We have ninety percent of British Jews saying that they avoid city centres when these anti-Israel demonstrations are going on. It's obviously a matter of immense concern to the Jewish community. I think it is also, as we saw from the number of non-Jewish people who, who turned out in support on the march, it is also a matter of massive concern to the general public. And I think that it should be a matter of massive concern to all politicians from all political parties too. I mean, on, on that note, there was, I mean, obviously the, the, the main thing that came across from being on the march was this extraordinary sense of unity from the people upon, uh, on the march. As you said, there were people from all different, a kaleidoscope of different communities allying with the Jewish community. And that, that really was very, very powerful. Um, but since the march, there have been a few notes of disunity from the leadership of the Jewish community. Uh, many people came together and stood behind your banner and walked with you uh, proudly uh, in support of the cause. Um, but there were some notes of of, um, of tension as well, weren't there, before? I mean, I know the Board of Deputies supported the march with a tweet very late in the day, on the on the Saturday evening, I believe it was, before the march. And then they attended, but not right at the front and and, and so on and so forth. Um, and obviously, tem you know, tension is high uh, during a time like this. Looking back, do you think that there's anything the CAA might have learned or might have done differently to enhance commun communal unity amongst the leadership groups of the community? I, I actually think it was a remarkably unified march. I mean, if you if you look at who was on it at the front and which organisations were supporting, it was really a, 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 a very broad spectrum of different organisations and groups. We deliberately, when we launched the march, um, launched it as an unbranded project. There was no CAA logo on it. Um, we, we Once we called the march, lots of different community groups, and we were very pleased to have as partners in all of this, uh, the Office of the Chief Rabbi, the Jewish Leadership Council, the United Synagogue, synagogues from uh, the Federation, Mazorti, Reform, Liberal, Union of Jewish Students, Stand With Us, uh, Holocaust Educational Trust, um, National Jewish Assembly. Um, 
I'm almost certainly going to forget an organization and upset them. But you know, we we had very, very broad support. And I actually can't remember a time that something that um you know where, where you've seen quite such broad support from quite so many different community groups um for a project like this. I think it was helpful that it was an unbranded project. Um, and that allowed everybody to, you know, own their bit of it. And I know that a huge amount of work was done. You know, the groups that I just mentioned, the organizations that I just mentioned, you know, they put it out to their whole mailing lists early on. They really called their, their, their people out. And I think that's part of the reason why it was such a, such a success is because everybody could see that the Jewish community was uniting. And I think that helps the allies of the Jewish community to unite. And um, I think, you know, in terms of lessons learned, I think the main lesson is more of this, please. And, and what could have gone better with the board, do you think? Um, I think really the, the you know, questions about that are, are really for the board of deputies to reflect on how, uh, how they could have done things better. Um, I, I'm not familiar with all of the discussions that will have had Will have will have taken place within the board of deputies, and um, I'm I'm sure that there will be all sorts of reflection within the board of deputies. But it's you know it's, it's really not something for me to say. Now, one thing that people have been asking a lot is: is this going to be a regular occurrence, or is it or was it a one-off? What what do you what do you say to that? I'm 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 going to um, I'm I'm going to <laughs> try and avoid that question. Okay. Okay. Um. Why? I think there are all sorts of plans afoot. I think that the that that we, what what happened on Sunday sort of lit a beacon of solidarity for not just for Jews, as I say, but you know for for people in this country who want to stand against anti-Semitism. I think there are so many possibilities that flow from that, and I think also it's very dependent on the situation that we find ourselves in. Um, it depends partly, for example, on policing of what's been what we've been seeing on Saturdays. I think one of the reasons that there's been such strong response um, from 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 all of our allies is there is a feeling that um, sort of the British system of justice has not been behaving quite as it should. And I think improvements in that, I think, will make a big difference in how people feel, particularly within the Jewish community. And I think that. You know, events in Israel um, and events between Israel and Hamas, I think, will um, you know will will also make a big difference. So we're keeping an eye on everything. Um, we've got all sorts of thoughts about what one might do. Um, I don't think that it's particularly helpful to have you know sort of a, a, you know a, a march every week. One of the things, in fact, that we have been calling for an end to uh, is this sort of marching every week that has been going on. And so we're, we're, we're thinking carefully about it, but we're, we're, there's nothing planned at the moment. I think people were actually hoping that there'd be another one. So um, I think people enjoyed the march. Yeah, but maybe if I can make a suggestion, Gideon, to add to your logistics um, next time, maybe you could release some lyrics and perhaps an MP3 of, of some chants so that people can learn them in advance and then join, join them when they reach. It's reach not very them. English demonstrating, is it? We're not, <laughs> we're not, we're just really not good at it. You know, that, that we, when it comes to catchy chants, um, we are not it, but you're right. Um, we, we should have some, uh, for, for, for next time. And, uh, and, and perhaps we will. Wonderful. Well, Gideon, well done. Congratulations. Kolakavod. 
everyone enjoyed it. It made a huge impact uh, on the entire country and indeed the world. So, and, and also on people on the front line in Israel who've told me how moved they were by it as well. So thank you for doing it and uh, more power to your elbow. And uh, thank you for coming on. Well, thank you also to you, Jake, because I think the JC had a very big part in calling people out to the march and in helping us secure the kinds of numbers that we saw. So thank you very much for, for everything that you did to, to draw people out onto the streets and to, to help make it such a successful event. Pleasure. All, all back to the wheel at the moment. Here, thank here. you, Gideon. Speaking again. Thank you. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Israel War Briefing from the Jewish Chronicle with me, Jake Wallace-Simons. Join us next time for more insight and analysis from leading experts.